What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Panthers Nation Network. Y'all, we we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk about what happened. We're gonna talk about everything. We're going to you know provide analyzation. Provide you can point fingers, point blame. The biggest thing I'm gonna do right now, and it's semi-serious, mostly a joke, but I put all the blame on this game on freaking Steve Wilkes because the man did it. He got me back into the point of caring about this team again. I was happy being apathetic. I was I was enjoying it, not caring which way we went. And I still, you know, it's not it's not super bittersweet the loss, but I blame him for my my strenuous afternoon because damn it, the man got me back into this team and into this organization. And that makes just a, lo- a loss like this that the more hurtful. Man, look, I came into the week. I will say this was fun. It was a fun week. I came into the week having to get having a chance to be excited about Panther football. And for once, not having to worry about a coach that I think is going to make a bonehead decision or just can't coach all 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 together in general, that we'll at least have a chance to win at some point in time in the game. And this team came out. They struggled. They had their struggles. I, which, because I've been so used to watching the Mad Rule Panthers, I was thinking, okay, well they'll fold. This game is over with. I honestly was gonna cut the cut the TV off after the pick six. But this team hung in there. They kept fighting. They kept pounding. They definitely play with a different type of edge under Steve Wook that we didn't see under Mad Rule. And God Almighty, man, you did everything but win the game. Everything but win it. You like there's nothing more you could have done. I think in that in that moment, I think there's obviously still some other things that could have been done, and we'll break it down as we go. I mean, I still, you know, our cornerbacks love to figure out ways to still provide instances for why they should be on this team. Not in my view, but of course to the front office, Dante gets a pick. You know, CJ gets a pick at the very end to just prove that they still deserve to be on this team a bit. Dante's pick. That was the first time Dante had a pick. Where again, it wasn't like it was just an open ball out of nowhere. <laughs> Mariota definitely did not put it in the right spot, but Dante was a, there was at least a receiver within twenty yards of where the pass was thrown, and Dante hasn't had that in a while. Bro, I, I give him a lot of credit, man. You know, we give DJ a lot of crap. He gets a lot of flack, especially from our group chat. Came out, made a great play, but in typical Dante fashion. <laughs> <laughs> we, we got always done we got the full experience of a Dante Jackson game, right? So there's the highs, which is an interception, right? There's the lows of getting caught on third down, and then there's the lows of the lows, which is getting injured after getting caught on on a big third. Down. <laughs> that, that, opening the gate for Demir Bird to just for pro, for poetic justice to be the one to make it to where it was an issue there at the end of the game. Uh, to answer first question up here, uh, Srijan, I'm so sorry if I butchered that. I am I'm so sorry. We, I was going to wait to address this, but I'll start off with it right now. Here's my thought process on it. You know, that fourth down grab that, to the drive before, you know, it hit him in the hands. I get there was a cornerback in his face with it. You got to bring that one down. And you got lucky with the defense, you know, pulling you out once again, only giving up a field goal. You still have the ball with about 35 seconds left. Never in my life did I dream that we were going to get in touchdown position. After Terrence Marshall's catch that first down, I was like, all right, you know, that's a bit better. You know, we're closer, but never in my life did I think PJ would make that throw. We haven't had a throw like that or a catch like that. Good Lord, since probably 2015. I can't tell you last time we had a play like that. So in the moment, with everything that has been happening for DJ, as an athlete, as a human, no, I don't put the blame on him for that for that moment right there. I don't see any way that you don't react like that. And it's such an arbitrary penalty that I don't think is necessarily, you know, vetted in practice. Hey, don't th- throw your helmet. Don't take off your helmet. Like, it's something that's so benign that you go, oh, crap, I forget this is a penalty. Now, that being said, had we had that first drive for the Falcons been a touchdown and they score off the bat, yeah, I'm putting that blame on DJ because, you know, it's hard not to. I mean, Eddie was making kicks all day, but that's not an easy kick there, and it would have been good from 30. We saw it would have been good. It was bare, It was almost good in and of itself. But you get that pick, CJ gets that pick, and, th- and we were in that position. After that, no, you make your kick. You've been doing it all game. Made, made the kicks. kicks, made the kicks. Yeah, I, look, I, can can you blame DJ for for the loss? Not entirely. There's a percentage that I mean, he's gonna get. You absolutely can. You, if you'd like look, to. Look, you. Nah, I can't even do that because there was plenty of things that happened prior to it, which we're gonna get to. But for DJ, that was one of many things that happened throughout the course of that game. Now, would you love for your veteran receiver to not do that? Yes, but I haven't seen that call too often. That's like that's 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 my only thing. And then they were quick. I haven't seen that fire from DJ. I've not seen that emotion from DJ. 
even in those kind that's of situations. True. That's why I was a, a bit more okay with it. But go on what you were saying. Yeah, you know, we just haven't seen that call all too often at any point. I th- I've seen plenty of guys do things that I thought warranted more of a penalty uh, uh, than that. And knowing that the refs held the they, they held the flags pretty. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, it held the flag a good bit in this game for plenty of false starts and holding calls that we didn't get. And I, I mean, well, too, they held that flag for a while after hey, look, the helmet. Here's the thing: it was a pa- there was a flag you could have threw, but it would have been a pass interference. Because if you don't give, because if you watch the replay, they're tugging on his arm 30, 40 yards down the field. So I mean, there there was a penalty to be called, but it may have not been um. It may have not been for for, for unsportsmanlike. And but again, I mean, Eddie's got to make those kicks. The first one you got away with because you got a chance at the end. You got simply you got to make the kick. Like at some point, everybody's got a job to do, and he had a job there to just make the kick. I there's there's not much more I can really say other than that. It's it's rough. I mean, and we put ourselves in this position, and every week I get we get reminded of how idiotic of a decision was from a front office that we know has made a lot of issues for all the contracts that that front office got away with the one that it should have kept and the one that it shouldn't have you know given that was to graham gano i don't know what the front office was seeing in that year i get he was inconsistent but he was also up in age a bit and a little unhealthy in terms of injuries but you see what's happening in new in new york right now he's not lighting the world on fire but he's consistent still and you've now set yourself in a position where the last three four five years and we gotta remember this isn't zang gonzalez you know we, have, yeah. we don't have zang gonzalez anymore we don't have him right now you don't, I mean, we passed the Joey Sly, all that era, everything that, all those issues, you know, we've been in the rotating kicker up until Zane and, yeah. and, and, you know, you got to remember this guy is second is, is, you know, second string coming off of, you know, the streets up in New York. He wasn't playing in New York. So, I mean, that's tough to put at him in that position to start to go back to the beginning of the game. I mean, I have qualms from the beginning of the game that consistently carry with this organization since Cam has left, since Rivera left, even into there. You you gotta capitalize off the turnovers. You cannot yeah. get. I understand the pick was basically a punt. It was basically a punt, and you're getting the ball from that position. But you're still changing the momentum. You can't. You get your first down, cool. But you gotta try to contain at least a consistent drive. And then you get what two sacks the next drive, zero yards and a three and out, and only three points come off of those two drives. That is just I can't stomach that. I can't give it a pass. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, I mean, there's, but there's, that's the level of consistency out of PJ that we know was gonna be an issue. You know, I mean, with, with all our, with not even just PJ, all of our quarterbacks have had this same issue of not being able to get things going early. I, I and and to that point, yeah, like you said, you want to be able to capitalize off of those things, and that's and those are, that's a sign of a good team that can capitalize off of off of those turnovers. But I gotta give the guy credit; he was able to settle in at a point get this thing rolling this offense still clicked and not only did it click i mean it had its best offensive day under pj that we that they've had and are probably our best offensive day on the season by far you know probably since honestly since week one against the browns i, I would go into last season i mean we haven't had a quarterback put up that kind of number those kind of numbers at least passing yardage i mean touchdown interception that you know leave it but 317 yards over the air we've not done that i don't think in recent memory since Cam Newton before he, I mean, definitely not in Chris McCaffrey after the pack, definitely not with the rotating, you know, string of quarterbacks. And yeah, I mean, he, I look at, he started rough. He started real rough. Those three dro- passes off the jump, three incompletions, you know, to set up those drives. That is rough, but I was give it to him. I mean, we saw it was the longest touchdown pass. Actually, I'm sorry. The longest pass all season in the entire NFL. And he rocketed that thing. I mean, from your side of the 50, <laughs> from like from around the forty yard line to launch that joint into it, it made it into the end zone. It wasn't like DJ ran underneath it, caught it, and ran into the end zone. He was in the end zone while he caught it, bro. That is a, a straight dime. And I get, I, I got to give PJ a lot of credit, man. I thought they, I know we give PJ a lot of a lot of flack here, but I mean he's clear. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. That performance today, give him the start for the rest of the season. I have no real reason to want to see Sam other than just like maybe seeing what eight why we gave him eighteen mil. You know what I'm saying? Um, that's the only reason I want to see Sam. PJ, he did what he had. He did what he had to do. I think the only, the only thing we got to see from him, not the only thing, but just consistency early. 
come out firing quickly. And I and I do think at a point, bro, McAdoo has to let go of the reins some and quit trying to just play it so safe. I mean, there's third downs where we're running halfback draws and we're throwing and we're and we're throwing tone screens. You know what I'm saying? We you're not. It's, it's, it feels like you're not really trying. It feels like it, it, at certain points we're not really trying to win games. We're just trying to stay afloat and maybe we can win the game later. And again, you can't do that in this sport if you're really trying to win football games i think everybody here everybody's job is on the line here play with the you know coach with coach with that same fire and vigor you want from your players quit um, quit conceding on third downs we just um, just because it's third it may be third and 12 you're gonna have to trust some of these guys to make plays we started to see terrence marshall pop out some in, in in this game as well and he looks way more confident and way more fluid right now than he ever looked under matt rule and the thing that I think, you know, that and you're right, because he has and but it's also it's it's hitting us in the foot. It's the reason why, you know, we, we put up more offensive points than we have all season and in and, and a long time. We put up a lot more offensive points than we have, but there's still that predictability of it. Like you said, I guarantee you, Dean Pease, with the legacy of that man, had, he was reading our he was reading our plays. He knew how many times we go for that screen. That was the same halfback screen we've run game in and game out. And it's set up to where that defensive tackle. And I mean, as an athlete, that's, he's just a ridiculous human being. And I don't give PJ a whole lot of flack for that play because they knew exactly what was coming. They knew exactly what was coming. You get your hands up, you create the, you know, you create that tip. And from then on, it's just running in. And it, in a time frame where, you know, at that point we were, it was 10 to seven, you're going in, you know, you get the ball to start the second half you don't have to push it necessarily. And you ended up, you know, running at the drive. Like you had it at that point, you don't have to push that envelope. You can take a little bit longer. That would have been a good play had it fit, but they read it like a book. And then that flips the entire script of the game. Now it's 14 to 10. And, you know, you got that field goal coming in off the second again, which was good to get a second half, you know, the first half, second half, get those points. That's good. Exactly. Still, with, still with like a touchdown. Cause that changes, but like the momentum switched a little bit there to where, you go like you had the punt. They scored their touchdown. You come right back with the touchdown. You make them punt. They again there now they take over. And that to me, that's where you said you got to let go. You got to open up the playbook a bit more to not allow for them to read a play so easily. Exactly. I mean, look, they, they, they were like I said, we we had we had our moments and we had our chances. And again, the the my biggest issue with uh, with today. I mean, for all, I mean, when your offense gives you. What thirty? What thirty-four points in regulation? I'm not too mad at the offense. It could could have been a little bit more consistent. Consistency, yes. But your defense, a defense that you know, the one thing we talked about, we talked about how bad we used to feel for the defense because oh, they never got the help from the other from the other side of the ball. They never they they never seemed to get it. They were always on the field, uh, you know, too long. But you look at what we did today. We nearly at a point we nearly double Atlanta in total yards, and I know. Time of possession. I can. I can. I can check out time of possession right now. Total time of possession. We had. We had thirty one. I think we had thirty one minutes of time of possession to to their thirty six. I mean, because they had the ball toward the end of the game. So you had you you weren't on the field nearly as long. You had opportunities, and Atlanta posed a threat. That I thought they would. They are a physical running team, and when they and this is the same issue we had against Cleveland. Physical running teams will always give us problems because I. I for whatever reason, our our linebacking core just isn't up to par to be able to take on that type of type of running attack. Algier and Huntley, those two guys weigh about two thirty each, and alongside Marcus Mariota, who's a real run threat, who I figured at one point is gonna make a play. He's gonna he, he's gonna end up breaking one off, which he, he did right there at the end of the game, and and, and seals it for him. So I mean, at that, at that point, I'm looking at the defense and saying there's a lot of questions that we knew we, that we knew we had. But uh, that defense has to answer to the call here, and as to why you can't get that can't get the job done. And and people forget, you know, just because of his tenure in Tennessee, which again, for all intents and purposes, obviously wasn't great, but it wasn't the worst quarterback Tennessee's had in the last few years. I can tell you that right now. People forget Jake Locker and that fiasco for the Tennessee <laughs> Titans. But the thing people forget about Mariota, he's a smart quarterback. He is a smart quarterback, and he is crafty. He was waiting up until the point where he knew he could make a play for it. Because up until that, up until that point, we had been covering the read option incredibly well. We had Absolutely, been covering it incredibly well, stuffing it when we needed to. He knew he just needed one. He needed one, and he did make Burns look a little silly. I'm gonna give him that. But Burns had been playing to that point very, very well. But he waited 
till they were the exact, literally the last second where they needed, you know, you, their drive wasn't really doing much on that last drive. They had gotten, you know, a, one first down in the middle again, where we don't want it. And we talk about the issues with the defense and especially linebackers. And that's what makes me so upset about Phil snows because they wanted to get those smaller hybrid guys that could apparently stop the run. Well, what, where has that come through? Because clearly we can't stop any yeah. run, no matter who it is. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, Daniel smart. Jones is running all over us. Yeah, I mean, and and and, and there lies the issue. I mean, I I think the 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 lack of help at the, the lack of help at the second level. It won't matter what what Brian Burns does. I mean, mind you, that play where he missed. Let's be clear, bro. We're talking about world class athletes here. You're gonna a play's gonna get made. Now, okay, is somebody there to clean that up? And again, they and here's the thing: they did a good job on the read option for the majority of the other day. Mario didn't kill us in the ground game. But you knew if the game was tight, they could start to implement that more and more towards the end of the game, and it becomes a real issue for your defense because while you're worried about, oh, him dropping back and passing it, which he did have a solid passing day against you, you have to worry about the fact that he can pull it and he can take off and he can fly. And, I mean, again, a, a, a good player making a great play at, towards the end of the game, somebody had, to make, somebody had to do it. I mean, it was one of those things where, you know, simply you could have won this game several steps ahead of the ahead of that point but but that defense man there, there's still a lot of there's still a lot of work to be done which i'm not which i'm not upset with because i mean that just that still means that you know there's guys we can go get there's improvements to still be made and we're, and we're not a finished product and I, i'm glad that's the case honestly because i'd be worried if this is the best we could do oh absolutely and again the thing with the Marriott and the rushing game the thing also is that when you allow those other running backs out here and huntley to get those yardage then you're focusing on them more. And that allows Mary to go, okay, they know they're. I'm going to try to give it to them. They are trying to be conservative. So they're not expecting me to pull the ball. I'm going to pull it and make someone miss in the in, in the open field. And I was happy with how we handled the mobile quarterback because we hadn't done it well in the past. So I was I was happy for that. But you're right. I mean, this just kind of sets you up. And, it, and if, of course, it goes back to the misuse from our last coaches. And again, another bone I have to pick is the misuse or just the lack of use for Terrace Marshall. He has shown in the last two weeks that no, is he going to set the world on fire? No, but when when the pit when the when the buck stops and he needs something to go, he's a reliable target in those plays. He may he gets open. Yeah. The route tree he has works for him. He makes plays. I mean, the the one thing they did they do a good job of is putting him in situations where he can be successful. So singling him up on the backside one on one, he gets the one on one route. Hey, look, he's a big. Fast and physical guy, and I've had my issues with Terrence Marshall. With Terrence Marshall, because I, I just didn't know what is it, what is it exact, exactly that he does well. Well, in the one on ones, it seems to be where he operates the most, where he operates the best. Him working in him working out in space seems to be where he seems to, where he, he seems to be the most comfortable. Um, having him in those bunch sets where you know with, you know with, with with two other receivers doesn't seem like that's that that that's his that's, that's his thing. And um, he's given us that spark that we thought Robbie would give us. Like he looks just as good as, as Robbie looked all year long. Probably well, definitely. Well, I can't even say just as good. He's looked better than what Robbie had looked for us up until this point in the season. So I mean, it was it's great to figure out that oh. One of our young guys can play. We don't have to move on from this guy. I mean, we were really talking about trading this kid away. And you you talk about him, you talk about Foreman, who again who not only had another good week, but he exceeded by a wide margin what he did the week before. Then what he did the week before was great as well. I mean, you see it see him today. You see, I mean, we, it, it, it's 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 a shame that it took um, somebody getting fired in order to see the talent that we have on this roster. I mean, it's great to see that Wilkes is getting that is getting everything out of each and every guy that's getting their opportunity right now. Oh, absolutely. Think with Foreman. I mean, you don't have you don't have Hubbard as your safety net. That was what happened last week. You know, it was kind of a smash and dash. Hubbard, you know, Foreman would set it up. Hubbard would finish it out with that drive that he had, especially. But now you are along the likes of uh, you know, Rashier Black, Black Romaine Blackshear, whatever his name is, some dude out of yeah. who's a rookie, and then Spencer Brown, who I forgot was even on the team. To be completely honest, I, I did too. <laughs> and, and and he did it himself. And he had that 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 last touchdown he had. That was a Derrick Henry touchdown right there. He got stuffed at the line of scrimmage, and he pushed through, and he kept driving. And it speaks to the offensive line as well. Another great week for the offensive line. I'm not really worried about that front four, that front seven, really. But you know, any game where you only give up one sack, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be happy with. I'm I mean, gonna that, be happy with exactly. When you talk about guys like a, 
playing against guys like a like a Grady Jarrett. I didn't hear his name called too much today. He's a guy that can he can wreak havoc in the interior of your offensive line. Be, I, I, and I don't don't get it twisted. We saw two top ten defensive tackles play today. Derrick Brown's a top ten defensive tackle, and Grady Jarrett is a real problem if you haven't. Paid attention to him. I mean, you can go watch the tape. He's he's definitely an issue. So I mean, again, having our interior interior line be able to hold up against that. I, I I mean, I mean, we still had the mistake. We had some mistakes here and there, but ultimately, I'm happy with the growth of Christensen and Icky. Bozeman getting his start. You see the difference. It's a huge difference in how we run the football now under with, with Bradley Bozeman starting at center, which I thought we signed him to be the starter. And I, I, again, unfortunately, you know, Pat Affleck has season ending uh, hip surgery. So, you know, best of luck to him in his recovery. <laughs> best of luck to him in his recovery. But I mean, but it, but, but, it, but it opens up the door for, for a boat, for a guy like Bozeman, who we thought, who we knew exactly what he would be coming in. He would be a mauling run blocker that would help us get the ground game going, which I think if we would have had him starting at center instead of F line while we still had CMC, I think things look a little bit differently. I, I completely agree. I think that it just, it, again, you're right. It shows how it's been moving forward. Now, on the flip side of it, I will say as, as good as, you know, we read the some of these plays and we did play to their strengths and the offensive strengths, I still think we were too passive-aggressive on defense. I really do. I mean, I understand things starting to open up, but they allow themselves to open up by not putting pressure. And Mariota, I I want to say if, if, if Jeremy Chin had been in that game, I think we provide a little bit more pressure because you have a safety net there to still go toe-for-toe toe toe with Mariota and his athleticism. So mm -hmm. I get it to a point, but I think that's where you allow for that's where Demir Burke can get open 30 yards downfield and make and make a man miss and find a hole or Kyle Pitts can carve up. Like if you have bad linebackers in both zone coverage and in as a run defense, I understand the need to not want to rush or blitz, but if they're not doing anything for you in the second level, then why not try to use them to make, you know, make something happen in the first level. And of course, after Dante goes down, it's a bit more daunting, but I don't know. I just, I found it where you could, should have provided a bit more pressure on them. Absolutely, man. I mean, because here's the thing. You don't have a second pass rusher, and if Burns doesn't get in there, and, it, and there's plenty of games where you see where, where I mean, I, and I and I love the guy, but we've seen plenty of games where Burns will get washed up, and 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 he won't be as effective on, on those days. That happens to the best defensive, the, the best defensive ends and the best pass rusher. It's not, it's not just a Brian Burns issue, but what the but the where the issue comes into play is that who else can get there? Somebody has to step up. Somebody has to elevate their game. And I mean, on on, on the play that that uh, I think maybe Drake. I think it was Drake London on a uh, on uh, Dante Jackson on, on on one of those uh, key third downs where they got Mariota had like ten seconds in the pocket. I mean, at, at a point, bro. I mean, if you got you have to do something. And again, we have linebackers who aren't effective blitzes. We have better blitzing defensive backs than we have linebackers. I've seen Miles Hartfield be a more effective blitzer. I've seen J.C. Horn be a more effective blitzer. And I've definitely seen Jeremy Chan probably be our best blitzer, probably second to Shaq Thompson. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, while all of those guys back there and doing, doing what they do, I mean, they, again, the issues are all, will always be that the second level of this defense has not provided what we needed in order for us to really win games. And if if we're not getting a dominant performance from Derek Bryan and those guys up front, then they'll then they're bound to let us down at some point. Well that's the problem. It's like Superman and Clark Kent. We can't get Derek Brown and Brian Burns to perform well in the same game. If one of them's doing well, the other one's not. If the other one isn't, the other one's doing well. And that's along the lines of the fact that they're keying in on one of those guys, whoever that team chooses, that will open up for one of those people, you know, that will open up for one of them to do better. But when you don't have literally anybody else, like Derek Brown is not a pass rusher. He's he's a, he's a disruptor. He's going to make things happen. He's going to get back there. He's not going to get an open field sack on the quarterback, but he's going to push that lineman or break through and disrupt that run, get the quarterback moving into the arms of somebody else or into the open side of the field. Brian Burns, he's going to scoop you up. He's going to shelter you in. But when you don't have those doing that, when we haven't created either a scheme for both of those to try to attack at the same time, or when you don't have the ability to bring any of your linebackers down, I mean, the, the linemen don't need to – they can double team. They can double team. They can focus on one of them. We don't have – you know, Yatur has been non-existent. He's been – he's been literally not on the field. Uh, and yeah, he, he might I as well have been. I think he got a half a sack today, like a half one. Cool. And then, and then, and then Marquise Haynes, I mean, we knew who he was. He's a fill-in player. You know, he's a, he's, a, he's going to be there when you need him to be, but he's not going to make anything happen. It's why an acquisition like Carlos Dunlap would have been so helpful because if you know that Carlos Dunlap is on the other side of the field, 
you're gonna make sure you know where Carlos Dunlap is. It's that's a that's a real bookend. That's a real bookend you want to have on the other side. And you and again, since Brian Burns has been here, the only guy you've had, I mean, yeah, Addison there for a little bit there towards the you know in the early part of a Burns career, but you know having Reddick last year, having if if you have Hassan Reddick on this on this current defense, right? With how they're playing the back end, JC Horn's healthier now. The second, I mean, you you're getting a little bit more from you know from your secondary. Having Hassan Reddick would have helped you close this game out. You close this game out with a, with a guy like that that can that can apply pressure. And again, man, we 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 have a bunch of rotational guys that we're trying to make starters, and that's the issue. And, and, and again, we, we we I mean we're having to live with some of the mistakes made. We knew there were mistakes going into the year, and we knew that we needed to add other pieces, but. You know, it is what it is. Now we're just we're just kind of stuck with what we have, man. It's, it's it, 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 this was a gut wrenching loss, but but I will say it was good to feel actually sad about a game about losing a game. Like yeah, that 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 felt good instead of instead of just being like, oh, this is the status quo right now, and we just you know we're just trying to make it to the draft. I actually felt some real passion about this game today. Oh, absolutely! It was nice to be able to actually you know watch the game, be excited, cheer when big play, make make plays, you know have big play drives not just you know going it takes 10 minutes to get a touchdown and that's always great you want to have that consistency but it was exciting to just be excited and i think that's again what i said about wilkes from the get-go if he can make me excited about games again and the way that he has made this team rally around him in a position where two weeks removed from going okay we got the first round pick right now and coming into this game vying for the number one spot in the conference if you win that game I haven't seen us play a a shootout game, a 10 lead change game in a while like that to consistently not fold. I mean, 21 points in the fourth quarter. Are you kidding me? Like, that's insane. That's that is ridiculous compared to what we've been able to do in the past and to continue to stay with it as the game goes on to make sure that you know what you're doing to keep guys on. That has been huge from Wilkes absolutely huge from Wilkes to make sure that his guys continue to rally behind him and not just dip out of it. Of course, it sucks that again. I think it, the streak would continue that we give up 17 points and still didn't win the game. I really, really Six wanted keys. us to win that game so we could end that streak. But but either way, I mean, that's a big plus for Wilkes right now in terms of the job search. Well, and so so just let's dig into the job search a little bit more. I mean, so how what would it take for Wilkes to get this job at this point? Like you like I know perform, performances like today are a part of it, and you hope to win you you hope to win those, but if you, I, I mean, considering the, the the hole he came into, and his team finishes with about let's say let's say they finish with six uh, six wins after him taking over when they only had one, and they're playing consistent ball like this, and they're playing competitive football. At, you know, at what point do you have to start? How, where where is he on your board? I mean, we're just creating a top five of head coaching candidates. No, I mean, I think it again. I, I, this is always the issue when it comes to these decisions is that I have no idea where the chain of command goes. I, I don't know who it's going through. I don't know who is pri- putting the priorities in place, whether it's Fitter or whether it is Tepper and what their priorities really are. Because if it's Tepper going after, if it's Fitter going after it, you don't love, you love the fact that he's winning, but you don't love the fact that he's t- putting you away from a top, you know, a top 10 pick in the draft. If, as these things continue to go along, you don't necessarily love that as a GM who's trying to re, you know, who's trying to answer to the to the owner who wants to rebuild this team. That puts you in a tougher spot and might be able to get you some more free agent picks. But you know, that's kind of neither here there. And now, if it's Tepper, it depends again on whether he's wanting conference wins and just to look good in the conference, or if he wants the flashier wins. I mean, you come into the six week stretch, you play well against the Rams up until the end. You you know, the 49ers, we knew what happened there. You beat the Bucks, but you didn't expect to. The Falcons was a questionable one. If we put up a fight and an upset against Cincinnati, you know, some of these bigger flashier and you get some of these wins that you weren't really expected to get. I think then that, you know, regardless of the ending route, I think that has to be in the conversation. I mean, playoffs obviously would be a big, would be a big one, but if you look at, you know, going forward Ravens, I mean, obviously Broncos isn't as big of a thing anymore. Seahawks really isn't as big of a, I mean, actually not to lie. It is. Um, Seahawks would be a big one, especially those ones on the road. I think it's those away games, to be completely honest. We talked about it. He got the win at home. We knew that was going to happen. Still getting wins on the road is a big thing. So if you can go to Cincinnati, to Baltimore, to, to you know, to to Seattle, and you come out of that with a 500 record, and then you have the Lions, Bucks, Saints, and Steelers after that, I think he's sitting in a pretty good spot for consideration. It's crazy how winnable the schedule looks on the back half 
than the first half. Because remember, going coming into the year, we saw the front half. That's where we got to win all our games because we, I don't know how many we're gonna win once we get to this to this mid year stretch and 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 that high looks when we get to the towards the end. But these all look winnable. Um, for for the Cincinnati game, right? Jamar Chase will be out, so he won't be playing. So can you do enough against T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, which is still gonna be a tough matchup? Don't get it twisted. I mean, you're probably going you're going to go ahead and slap. Go ahead and slap uh, J.C. Horn on T. On T. Higgins. <laughs> You're gonna have to find some type of answer for Tyler Boyd, and they they still look. Here's the thing: they're, they're gonna they're gonna still put up numbers, and they're still gonna do uh, do what they have to do. The biggest thing is gonna be where where, where is Brian Burns because he you didn't have a great day today. We're gonna need you in the worst way against Cincinnati next week on the road. That's a winnable game. But also, does PJ Walker does does, does this show carry on on the road? I mean, you start your first game. You know, I mean, I mean, you had you had a great game today on the road. You play in a tough environment against LA. You didn't look didn't look as hot. Will they keep progressing this offense now under PJ Walker because he seems to be the only guy that's willing to make the throws and can make the big time throws? Do you how how does how does his offense progress in the next week? Because I mean, look, say what I mean, say we can say what we want. 21 points to 34 the next week. They've gotten better each week since P.J. Walker's been the quarterback. I got to hope that they can keep a level of consistency and, and give me about 20-plus a game. I, I mean, and, and we were begging for that earlier. You know, we were begging for just some points. I'm still looking for, you know, that that first quarter score. I'm still looking for yeah. that first quarter touchdown because I want to say his came in the second quarter. I'm not quite sure entirely I think sure. It, I think it All did. All of his kind of helped blend together. But I agree, I would agree. I think he burns absolutely because you're going to be fighting. I mean, Joe's not the most mobile of guys. He can break out if he needs to, but he's not. It's not a threat there. Joe Mixon's kind of you know hit or miss, and and same with you know with how they go about it. I mean, my biggest question mark again. It's going to be. It's been the last two weeks, and it's been the killer the last two three weeks. It's been Dante going out. Once Dante goes out, we know that Keith Taylor's not a starter. We know Miles Hartfield's not a starter. CJ, God bless him. He got that pick and got you in a good spot. And he actually had one or two good pass breakups. I'll give him credit. He's, he did. He, I mean, he had one, you know, especially <laughs> he had one pass breakup that for him is a routine pass interference, a routine 30-yard game for the offense. And by, by God, the kid turned his head around and made a play. So, <laughs> so maybe he turned the corner. <laughs> I mean, Maybe I mean I'm still not good, but I but against T Higgins and Tyler Boyd, I mean you figure you put you know you put JC on on Higgins and you put you know him on on Boyd and say what you will about you know and there's been a lot of talk about Horn and a lot on Twitter that I I can't get behind necessarily. I understand the injuries, but you can't anticipate injuries. And Patrick Sertain, off of his resume in college, I don't think was a giant leap or a giant difference between Horn. I think Horn had the better resume, arguably. And then say what you will about Fields and not going after Fields. We knew that wasn't going to happen. We were praying no. for it, but we knew it wasn't going to happen. Fam, so what, we, do you, what is your thought on Horn? Because Horn had one reception allowed for negative one yard on one target over 26 snaps. Hey, bro, Horn, Horn is bro, Horn is who he's supposed to be. I mean, I mean, coming coming back off a of hip, uh, coming coming back off, off a of hip injury. I mean, he looked he looked good today. He doesn't get targeted. That's as simple as that. I mean, the, I mean, offenses. Do not target J.C. Horn, and then, and mind you, it's not like he's hiding. He plays in the slot. He fucking it. He'll he'll follow the best guy. He's not he's not relegated to playing the left side or the right side of the field. The guy the kid travels and plays everywhere. Teams just don't throw at him on the plays. I see him cover Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts wasn't open. Like I, I mean, I, the, I, I he does exactly what he. I, I think he he does exactly what he's supposed to do, and I don't know what. Fans are wanting to see because if you're, I'm saying right now, if you're a great corner, the great corners don't get don't get touched like that. They don't get targeted like that. So, so, so the numbers don't just bear it out the way like, oh, well, he didn't have a pick, he didn't have a tackle. Well, yeah, because if you're a corner, I'm gonna be honest with you, you don't want to have eight tackles. No, something's wrong if you if you have eight tackles, something's wrong. So I mean, for him, I think he's doing exactly what he's supposed to do. I think health is is his only is his only hiccup. Health is the only thing. Other than that, you can say from a technical sense, Patrick Sertain plays better, but the results still bear out the same. So what are we actually discussing? Are, are, are we are we mad because it doesn't look as clean, doesn't look as good? Because I will say from a technical perspective, Sertain looks beautiful in coverage. JC, it sometimes looks great. Sometimes it looks a little, it, it, it looks, it can look a little janky, but ultimately it still gets the job done. Guys still can't get open. So I don't know what the, I don't know what the, what, what the fuss is. 
And if you want to do comparisons, Sertain, he had one reception allowed for negative four yards on one target over 28 snaps. So so you can take it there, but I'll tell you exactly what they want. And because he has an issue with health and help. And this is the biggest thing that I've been, you know, we were clamoring for with Gilmore and having someone around him. If they want Horn, and if I can theorize, to be this guy who's going to wreak havoc as a cornerback, they want him to wreak havoc. They want him to be flying over the field, making the, like, you know, making those picks, getting into those areas, making those plays, and then doing something with it. Because as a corner, you don't get, it's like a lineman. You don't get praise for doing your job. You get praise for going above and beyond your job, at least from the fans in that right. sense. And the problem I think that we've had, and myself included, because I, I'll say I was a, I did it, is when you have a good corner that is quiet, you think that the quiet, you you mix up the quiet for a lack of ability and a lack of activity. And I gotta say, I'll bite, I'll, I'll bite my tongue. We did it with Bradbury. It speaks. We did it with Bradbury. Bradbury was very quiet. He did not get burned that often, but he didn't get targeted that often. Don't look at me like that, all right? Don't look at me like that. I remember the conversation we used to have about James Bradbury, and I told plenty of people, I'm like, bro, James Bradbury is a really good corner. And you won't find those guys all too often from – all right, first of all, you drafted drafted them in the second round from Samford. You know how hard it is? I, I, like, when you I find a guy like... Is. Is, that, is it Bama? Some, is that? Somewhere in Alabama, yeah. Somewhere in the depths of Alabama. Okay. I, 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 I wouldn't be visiting there. But, you know, you, you feel me? But, I mean, like, like you said, people only praise you when you go above and beyond. So, Josh Norman, for example, is, is perfect that we can bring that up. Josh Norman, I can tell you right now, Josh Norman used to get beat a lot. And people usually tend to forget all the years Josh Norman played in Carolina that he didn't get all, get all those interceptions. He didn't make all those plays. And you used to hate seeing him on the field. But Bradbury was the total opposite. Didn't get beat often. Didn't make a whole lot of plays for the interceptions. But you can't really do that when you don't get targeted, like you said. And the thing with Norman is people didn't ta- people targeted him because he was the unknown guy. Coastal Carolina as opposed to Sanford. But Coastal Carolina didn't make a splash. You didn't. We didn't know who he was until the Saints game. Most Panthers fans did not know who he was until that pick. You knew him from the week before when he got, you know, the when he was galloping around from Bortles. But you didn't know who he was. I mean, you had no – and he had been in the team for a good two, three years, I think, to that yeah, point. But, that was not yeah, about, yeah, about two years. He was, he can't, he was a redraft in 2013, so that was his third year. And so they target him, because, and it's the same double-edged sword you get with Dante. There's a reason why people don't like Dante, because he gets targeted. He gets targeted. Now, he'll get you some of his picks when the ball's outward and errant, but mm-hmm. he'll get burned a lot. And so the problem that I had, and this is where I still fault fitter a little bit. Of course, if he, if he was playing, you know, from – if he was playing with a broken club and having to combat both Phil Snow, Matt Rule, and Dave Tepper, and that brain trust of saying who they wanted – I can understand not being able to give the money for Reddick or Gilmore, but these problems that we talk about can be directly correlated with not giving money to proven guys like Asan Reddick and Stefan Gilmore. Gilmore provides you that help and that depth at the defensive back position. That was what we loved about Fitterer coming in was immediately, immediately you get, you get Gilmore in season, you get Henderson in season, you get a proven guy and a guy with potential to back up that depth at cornerback, which you are clamoring for. We've had four or five cornerbacks drafted in the last three drafts, Keith Taylor, you had um, a buddy from South Carolina. Um, I can't remember his name for the life of me. Or JC um, Horn? No, the other dude. Um, 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 or JT eBay? No, there was another, not from South Carolina, but like the state of South Carolina. I can't remember his name for the life of me. Oh, talking Troy Pride? Yeah, Troy Pride. But you draft, yeah. I mean, you drafted, you know, multiple cornerbacks and multiple, you know, defensive backs there in the span of a couple of a couple weeks or a couple years. So, that's where I got upset that that's what would give Horn the ability to open up. But also Horn's not that kind of guy. Horn's not really the open up kind of guy. He's going to make, he's going to be very, very, very precise with his coverage. He's going to clamp people down and he doesn't have, you know, it, we're, and we're not putting him, we haven't played a lot of top number one wide receivers these past few weeks. I mean, you know, you put him on Cooper cup. We knew actually, no, he wasn't in that game. He, so he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't play. He, he missed about what? Two, three games. Yeah, I, Cardinals. You know, Cardinals didn't have D Hop. 49ers, He was in there for he was in there for Debo. And yeah. what did and what did Debo do that game? Debo didn't do anything. He, he didn't do anything that game. The Giants and the Browns don't really have number one wide receivers to go off of, mm. and and neither do the Falcons. The Bengals are down their number one wide receiver, so that's going to be interesting to see how that goes about. But I think that's what people are waiting for. And I don't like this. You know, well, Sertain's doing all this. Sertain is playing on the Broncos. His plays mean nothing right now. All right. His, I mean, not to say that ours mean that much more, but like cool your coverage is doing great when you're when when that's going down so i don't think we made a problem 
I don't think we made a bad choice in getting that draft pick. Now, of course, I'm a little bit biased, just a tad, but the script, but the, <laughs> but the, but the, but the, the coverage chart and the stats outside of the injuries. And I, I know that's a thing with Carolina that we are so upset about. We want health and consistency and everyone does, but yeah, I mean, you gotta, you know, die at this point. Dante's health is more, is more unnerving to me than JC's is. Well, it's all, it, it, well Dante's health. It, 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 it all, it's, it's always an issue. It's been an issue since he's been drafted. So yeah, that hasn't really changed much. Um, but I guess the other, the other guy we gotta look at is Justin Fields. Right. And I, I look at Justin Fields and I watch him in Chicago. I'm like, bro, he, out of all the quarterbacks that were drafted in 2020, I don't care what the numbers say. I still trust him the most. Oh, I still had the most faith in him to, to figure it out than, than anyone else. Because, I mean, even now with uh, Trevor Lawrence having Doug Peterson, they've still fallen by the wayside. Matt Jones, I, mean, look, I ain't never believe in Matt Jones. So, Matt Jones being average is really nothing, nearly not news to me. Zach Wilson, I'm starting to believe Zach Wilson can't play football. I'm re- and, and, and here's the thing. I never thought – I thought it was crazy – when he got taken number two, I'm like, bro, are we being are we being serious right now? I felt the same way when a bunch of guys went when when guys started going over you know, over you know Deshaun Watson in, in his draft class. I was like, bro, are we are we are we being real? Like, are, are we? I so, so so does the resume in college and the plays that they made not mean anything? Or we just are we just strictly measuring how they look off of sh- looking shorts and then you know, and 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 and, and, and uh, compression shirts? Like, I mean, because if we're just watching the tape, I don't see how anybody. Other than Trevor Lawrence could get taken over uh, Justin Fields. I didn't think Trey Lance had it either. But Trey Lance, I knew, had, had all the physical abilities, size, speed, arm strength, and arm talent still kind of kind of in question. But I don't know. He hasn't even gotten a he hasn't even gotten a fair enough chance to even say that he's whether whether he's a bust or not. But for Fields, if Fields was going to get drafted into a situation that I thought would have been, you know doable for him and 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 one way i think he could have actually flourished i think you know, like right now feels what i think would be fine but under matt rule absolutely not and again I, you're gonna always make the mistake if you don't take your quarterback if you don't have the quarterback because you see where we're at right now we're a quarterback I, i'd probably say we're a quarterback away from being at least a 500 level team and i can say that with full confidence because I, I see this defense and how they played in, in plenty of matchups and i say like well if you have an offense that can put up at least 21 a game, you probably got a shot. But that, yeah, the Justin Fields pick will always haunt this team for a while because it, there's no getting over missing on a quarterback. But honestly, at this point, you got to get over it. There's nothing. I mean, like there, yeah, you, you have, have to, to get over. It. You have to accept the fact of what the, the front office was at that time frame. Matt Rule is a college-minded coach. Quarterbacks to him are like. The quarterbacks them are like spare tires. You're gonna have another one. You got someone coming because in the you look at the, the the landscape of college football with the transfer portal with people coming out. You could have multiple four, five, and three star guys on that roster. You look at South Carolina. They got Luke Dottie and Spencer Rattler, and people are tr- clamoring for Luke Dottie to come in. You get guys at Bama, guys at Ohio State, guys at Oklahoma. There's always another person up for a lot of the big programs. So for him, even though at Baylor, he was not, he, sw- he was not, you know, swimming in good quarterback prospects, but I, he just, he's not going to prioritize it. He's not. And I don't think that I will say that the, the argument I originally had with the line and how, you know, that would have affected him would have affected him that much. Cause he's getting shafted in Chicago. It's, it's actually, exactly. it's actually just, it's, it's, it's criminal. What is happening to him in Chicago right now. Sickening what's happening to that man. When, in you're starting, when you're starting running back is David Montgomery and your starting wide receiver is. Or Darnell Mooney. <laughs> yes, it's Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet. Is that that's who you're going with? I I mean that's just criminal right there. And I think though you can, but you can say what you want. You have Fields on the team. Are you in the position to take Icky? Where you do? Do does do? You, are you able to take Christensen? Is Christian? Does Christensen? I mean, obviously he would still been there at second. Yeah, spot, yeah, yeah. But is your offensive line, you know, going to be allowed to do that? If you're and and do you make those picks at at those those free agency pickups at linemen? If you know that you're going to have to pay a quarterback his salary coming out of his rookie contract, I think then you got to think about the the money from Fitter's perspective. If you're doing that, do you keep the cap where it is to get guys, or do you spend that cap still on guys like Gilmore and Reddick, or coming even out the gate now on Foreman, and now also then you might not give pointless extensions to form to you know to 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 Dante or maybe not that money to McCaffrey. That's a whole. We can talk about that forever, but at this point, you got to go with the guys you got, and 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 understand that 
yes, his health has been has been a, a question, but when he's been out on the field, I mean, I'm not seeing anything to question him at all. I'm not. I'm not either. I know. Nah, I'm definitely not either. But I mean, it, can we can stay on this quarterback point a little bit longer? So it seems like the season's gonna go how it's gonna go. PJ PJ will hopefully finish the year out as a starter. We're still gonna be probably somewhere in that top five and coming out of dry picks, just because by the sheer amount of games that we have left and the ones that we won, this is that's just how the numbers are gonna probably bear out. Uh, do you take a? Do we give Matt Corral a shot? I mean, he's going to be on the roster. So, but do you give that man a, a legitimate chance, or do you just go ahead and draft the quarterback and at least and let them just battle it out and go, when camp comes? I think you know. I personally, I would. I'm getting scared that his tenure on the team is going to be a lot like Will Greer, flashy guy in college, made a lot happen for that team. You take him in that spot and you don't do really anything with him. I mean, this uh, when you have that situation and you had guys like Heineke and Kyle Allen still above him, it's not like they had any much more experience in the NFL coming out that gate, but he was not given a chance up until the very end. And then by that point, it was, you know, a moot point. And I'm starting to get to the point where I think that's going to be when you have Darnold and Baker and PJ. The problem is going to become, this is the first year where PJ has not had the tether of Matt Rule, but at this point he's playing like he could still like he deserves to get at least a backup spot in my mind. Absolutely, to, especially if you don't have to pay him that money to get him to get him for that long. It has to come down. The conversation has to be in that room. Okay, Darnold, Baker, PJ, two of them got to go. You cannot keep all three of them. There's yeah. no re- there's no reason to. And in my mind, Baker. We know. Dar- Baker and Darnold go. There's no there's no reason to pay Darnold, and there's no reason. Like, I understand what you wanted to do with Baker, and I understand why he tried to do it, but it's just not there. It's not going to be there if it if the injury wasn't one thing. And yes, you could maybe make the argument for Rule being in and out, not being there present, you know, mentally. But that's not enough. You know, you're you've played with bad coaches before in, in Cleveland, so you're not getting a pass from me for poor coaching. Even though Matt Rule might be one of the worst yes. coaches, maybe top ten. I'm not going to say one of the worst, but maybe one of the top ten all time for the Four. NFL. And, and that's saying something. Yeah, exactly. So then my point becomes: it depends upon what they value those picks with and what they plan to do with those picks. Because I'm getting to a point where I'm getting a little scared that they might get to the end of the season, and if we perform as the way we've been performing and go, we don't need to draft a quarterback. We can get other plug-in guys. We can get guys across the board that we need and honest to God, maybe even sign a quarterback. Now let me disclaim this with saying that this is not my belief. I'm trying my best to to speak through the Panthers front office. This is not my belief as to what we should do, but I'm getting scared that there might be a a mindset in, in place to where they're going. We can spend these picks on, on a on another pass rusher on a number one linebacker on you know a on another on 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 another wide receiving threat and maybe not need to spend it on a quarterback especially if they look to the quarterbacks that could be potentially i'm not saying we're going to go for lamar jackson i don't think that's necessarily going to happen with the dead cap we have but honestly so i think you it depends upon on what they want to do because even if you go the rookie quarterback route then in my mind Sorry, buddy. I just, if you were already, you know, this kind of, you know, placeholder pick in the spot where I don't think not getting Willis hurt you as much as it will. I mean, with the way he looked today, I mean, they're playing the Texans. I thought he would at least throw more than 10 passes, but he didn't look like he was setting the world on fire. And for some reason, Sam Ellinger and Taylor Heineke were having a shootout. I don't know what <laughs> happened there, but I, I'm getting to the point where I'm not entirely sure that, you know, if they do go rookie quarterback, then then I don't think then I don't think he's there anymore. Yeah. So yeah. I know that was a lot to say a, a little, but I don't think there's a spot for him either way. For you, we're talking Matt Corral, right? Yeah, about Matt Corral. I, I really don't. Uh, I, okay. Yeah, well, here's the thing. I, I mean, it's like this. And I, I, I thought about this earlier. I was like, all right. If we're going to go rookie quarterback, we still need to try to figure out what we have in Matt Karaki. He did spend a dry pick on him. So at least he at least needs to be on the roster. I think a, a quarterback room of consisting of Matt Corral and PJ Walker is where you start. Not bad. Add, add one more, which is going to be the rookie quarterback and your camp bodies or whatever. We'll, we'll worry about that later. But having those, having Matt Corral and PJ Walker be, be two of the two of your three, the one's going to be relegated to the practice squad, which will probably, no, I mean, honestly, don't, just don't tell him. Right about now, PJ looks like the best quarterback in that room. 
by far. So, uh, so so far at this point, yeah, I say go get the quarterback. I say go get the quarterback with that first pick. I don't really know. I mean, there's obviously still, you know, cornerback number two is going to be a definite need going into this draft because Henderson hasn't proven to be the guy, and Dante isn't healthy. So, I mean, you kind of paid him for nothing. Um, linebacker still going to be a need. That's the very pressing need. Uh, safety. Hopefully, if you can if you can resign Xavier Woods, then you have your, you have that field as well. It's just that quarterback decision is gonna be the biggest conundrum because who is it that you love outside of Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud? Because when he, when we get to Levis, I wanted to fall in love with Will Levis, but then he went later hey, this this past weekend. So I'm just I'm I'm just like I I don't know, man. I don't, I I didn't I never really saw it. I mean, he's got some arm pop. He's got some pop in his arm. You know, a, a good bit there. And I mean, I'm think I was hoping maybe it was like a Justin Herbert situation where you know, like you know what? Maybe I'm just wrong, and maybe I just don't see division. But it, maybe it's there. I don't think it's there. So I, I don't know, man. We just we're, we're just in a very tough spot because I mean, does a rookie quarterback make you a playoff team next year? Because this roster, I mean, say what you will. But this roster is ready to go make the playoffs right now. And it's about time we actually went and did that. But uh, how much how much longer will we have to wait, bro, is anybody's guess. And and and, and, I, and you're right, it's anyone's guess. And I got to the point also where I'm thinking, Fitter likes to trade back with these picks. And the fact that he didn't get a, a second number one for, listen, for Burns, because we got to think that means it was coming from the Eagles, depending on, you know, with how they got Robert Quinn. Mm -hmm. um, and Upon, speaking to that point, the Bears throw some money at Raquan Smith, please throw something yeah. for the Bears at Raquan Smith. I'm begging you. I would love that, please. If you, especially if you want to do something in season and you want to make some a splash happen, you got. I mean, you have a day to do that, so get on it. But <laughs> um, I think that that would be a big a big pickup. But you know, when it comes to, I could see with Fitterer, I could see him trading down. I could see him trading down, trading that first rounder. Because part of me, part of me thinks they're looking at Hendon Hooker. Part of me really thinks they're looking at Hendon Hooker. Hmm. And at his age, I don't want to touch it. I don't. And, want to and touch that it. and that is age. Hendon Hooker is twenty four. No, I think he's twenty six. I, I I'm like nineteen percent certain. I, that's now that's a lot. We gotta look it up. But I'm like not. Yeah, y'all y'all boys hang tight. We gotta go. We gotta dig on this. Out. They put a list out of starting NFL quarterbacks that are younger than Hendon Hooker. And it was like Joe Burrow. Yeah, he's he's twenty four. Oh, is it twenty four? Okay, so he's our age, sitting as a as a senior in college. Yeah, he's twenty four. Yeah. Uh, is that? Uh. Yeah, nah, I can't do it. I, I, it's, I, I, it's, it's not really the it's not really the age for me. Well, I mean, he's gonna be twenty five by the time he actually plays the NFL game. So I mean, it's not really the age issue for me. It's just the more so. It's more so the fact that it's more so the fact that I don't think he's. I don't necessarily see the allure to what he can be in the NFL. Like I think what he does. I think what he's doing in college is great in college. I don't see every. And maybe I'm wrong. I and I just haven't looked at enough uh, Tennessee games, but I haven't seen. Any every throw at every level from Henry Hooker. He has a great deep ball. And that's the majority of their offense is just throwing a deep ball and throwing the, and, and throwing the ball to the flats and the, on these screens. Cause how, it's just because of how, how Josh Hypo's play design. But I don't see the, the the throws across the middle of the field like that. I don't see I don't see some of the touch throw that, that, that I think you have to make. You know, you just just every throw that's not a deep throw, I haven't seen him do it at a high level. And I think it's just because out of sheer design of that Tennessee offense, and I may be wrong, but I don't think Henry Hooker would be my guy going in, going into this point. Not at all. I don't think so either. But I gotta I gotta say this, you know, before we start wrapping this up, I uh, I gotta be blunt with y'all, and I have to think that, honest to goodness, y'all have to be very, very ready for the possibility of not getting a quarterback this year. Because because when you think about the, it depends upon how the offseason goes between February and I think it's April again this time around. It depends yeah. how the offseason goes and what happens and how fast we make these decisions. Because again, Fitterer is going to be playing a, a role where if he now he might be given the reins because he's going to be the cemented guy there. But you have to think about it. It is a big question as to who is going to be the offensive coordinator. Because all those things you talked about with Hendon Hooker speak very well to what McAdoo likes to do and is almost plug and play to what McAdoo likes to do. Those deep balls, now that he's opening it up, then you're flats and your screens. Who does that sound like? What game does that sound like? <laughs> that sounds like ours. But you have to be, I think you all have to be realistic about the fact that if 
we're searching for a new offensive coordinator still, and we're searching for a new head head coach still, then what head what kind of quarterback does that head coach want? What kind of offensive coordinator? I'm sorry, what kind of quarterback does that head coach want? What kind of quarterback does that offensive coordinator want? Because they do play a part in it. And if those yeah. questions aren't answered going into the draft, I could see the very real possibility of 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 you know a fitter going, we have to do with these draft picks what we know we want and what positions we know we needed filled, especially if Baker Darnold and PJ still exist on this roster. Unfortunately, they provide some sort of safety net, even though they shouldn't, just by pure name and the money that we've been throwing them, they still provide a quote unquote safety net for Fitterer and the and not only Fitterer, but for David Tepper. That's the thing I'm saying right now. The money that he's going for right now, he's not going to throw it at a free agent, but you have to be realistic about the fact that if this is all going around, and I mean I'm speaking from what happened when Fitterer came in. And with rule and and having an offensive coordinator trying to figure that out and trying to work around that, I I think that that will play a part if we don't make that decision soon. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely right. Because that, that I start thinking about well, if Ken Dorsey is my head coach now, what quarterback will Ken Dorsey like? As mind you, Ken Dorsey coached Cam Newton in Carolina. He's coached Josh Josh Allen here up there in Buffalo. Then I gotta start looking at. I mean, there's not a there's not a prototype for those two guys. Those those are two physical specimens at quarterback that that are six five, two forty can run four 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 five. So it's so it's like who well at that point who would be the guy with the with the most comparable, I guess most comparable stature and numbers to those two coming out of college. And I'm like, all right, well that's that's and like you said to your point. They gotta love. They gotta. They're gonna have to fall in love with their prospect. We have, we have no. We don't even know who the coach is gonna be. So we can't really start falling in love with prospects until we understand who the coach is gonna be. We. I mean, we can like the guys that we like, but ultimately, it's gonna be up to those guys to make the final decision. So that I do understand. And that's where my fear becomes: is that if they feel like they're better. And and Jonathan, you're right. You know, <laughs> they might want to wait for Drake May. It would make people here in North Carolina happy to see May in a Panthers jersey. And I mean, with the way he's playing. Hey, look, that boy, that boy, all right. But you know, if I'm waiting, if I'm waiting on a quarterback, though, Caleb Williams, that's who I want. You know what? And if I'm waiting on a quarterback, and I don't know if I'm going then with a North Carolina, a North Carolinian quarterback, a Chapel Hill quarterback is is rough for me. It, it's it's real rough to the point where NC State puts out better quarterback talent over the last, you know, their tenure at the time. So that's that's another one I'm a little iffy about. But I think that's a, that's a real, very real reality of what we have to think about is that there's a lot of factors going into it. And again, it's this thing where you have when you have two, you know, two main guys, two surefire guys up there and you're sitting at the spot you're sitting at. I mean, we don't even know what spot we're going to be sitting at coming forward. We don't because if they keep playing this way and they pull off an upset against the Bengals, which I don't know if they can. If if Horn, if Dante's not playing, if something's up with him, and if Horn is, you know, I mean, I think Horn's fine, but if I think that those wide receivers could tear us up quite a bit if 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 it gets to that point. And now today it was more so Pitts and you know London over the middle again with our linebackers. It wasn't other than the one beard anomaly or bird anomaly. It wasn't you know as far as a deep ball game. But Higgins and, and Boyd can could do some carving if they if they if they get get it under them. But I could see an upset being pulled off. It's just going to be hard on the road in Cincinnati. Man, I I don't know if our defense is going to play to that type of level, and I I don't think our offense is going to be able to score at the type of level it's going to probably take to beat Cincinnati. And again, if you are scoring, can you go with can you go tip for tight? And if you have to go down and get the last drive, can your defense either get a stop or can your offense put together a touchdown drive? I don't trust it on, on each side of the ball, to be honest. That's why I was I was waiting for for something to happen with the play because we haven't done that kind of thing with DJ in in a while. So I was like, something's coming, something's gonna happen. Even before the flag, I was like, all right, like what's what's the catch? We did this. Right. What is what's the catch? And because the Bengals defense doesn't doesn't necessarily scare me, you know. If I think about it in terms of, I mean, a lot they of the games get, they can get to the quarterback though. Now they can get to the quarterback. They absolutely can do that. And I'm afraid for, you know, how PJ is going to go. I think the offensive line is going to hold their own, but I could see it being a two, three sack game. I think you got to cut the screens, cut them out. I'm sorry. Just cut them. You don't need them. You don't need to put him in, in compromising situations already. I think that's one of the biggest things McAdoo needs to understand is that you don't have McCaffrey. Like Foreman can make people, he can run people over, but he can't turn nothing into something because it's, he's just not that kind of guy. Hubbard could do that, but you're not working with Hubbard. So yeah, Hopefully he recovers soon and he's going to be back in the mix because I think that it wasn't, he wasn't necessarily missed, but 
it's a bit different of an attack plan. But again, uh, again, I about to say, I mean, I I do think I do think Harper's presence was uh, uh, was felt a little bit today. I mean, it just is instances where you got to give a foreman a break, and you need a guy that. If given the opportunity, he can break one open. He's got that. You got that track like speed. He can run in. It can run in between the tackles. I think getting Hubbard back. How quick you can get Hubbard back it will be will, will be huge for you coming in coming into this week because you want to be able to bounce this thing out as much as possible. And if you can feed those two, a game featuring Foreman and Hubbard, you can feed them. And you could you can rotate them as well. So you know, I mean, I think you want to get those guys in as quickly as possible just to take that pressure off of PJ to have to be the guy that have to make the plays for you. Exactly, because we know that that does not work. But I'm going in again to this week with a bit of hope. And, and to the point where, like, all right, we win, you're closer to playoffs. If you lose, you're closer to tanking. So take if you pick your poison and we'll, and we'll go along with it. But, of course, until then, keep pounding.